Everyday and True Crime, the place where good wine and true crime come together. Hello, friends. I need to figure out how to get it to not sound so raspy in the beginning, but uh, until I do this, not on my phone, I don't feel like that's ever going to happen. But hi, hello, here we are. Welcome to your True Crime Tuesday. This is Cabernet and True Crime. This is Tuesday. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Sorry in advance for two weeks in a row of missed um, uh, the b- 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 Serial Killer Sunday. Um, I'm a massive advocate of, you know, mental health and being aware of your own mental health. And, uh, I, you know, I know my limits. <laughs> I know when I need to take a break. And this week has been kind of wild, and I thought I was gearing up to do... So as some of you may know, I do work full-time as a chemist, and then I also work part-time as a CSR, or a customer service rep, sorry, for a bridal salon, and it is now the season for people to buy wedding dresses, and it has been just quite crazy there and we just had a bridal show in the Cleveland area this past weekend and I was working at the store and people like to come in when we're already really busy and try to try on dresses but we can't try on dresses because we don't have any rooms to put people in and then you get yelled at because you're not letting people try on dresses and you know it just this weekend I was planning I had all the intentions to come home Saturday night after work and like record and then edit it and then have it up for Sunday and like guys I couldn't do it (laughs) so it didn't happen you know I would say sorry but I I mean I will kind of like half say sorry because I do kind of feel bad that I didn't do it but at the same time like I know had I done it I might not have even gotten around to doing this so I'm going to take it for what it is and just know that I needed the day off. And I usually don't just take time off unless I need to do it for me. So if I ever, like, ghost for just a week or two, just know I'm still around. I just need a little bit of me time, if you will. With that being said, I hope your Sunday was phenomenal. I hope you had a great day. I hope you didn't get yelled at by anybody. And if you did... I'm sorry, because I know what it feels like. Um, (laughs) So, we are in the freezing podcast closet today. I do not look good enough to record anything. It is terribly cold in here and terribly cold in the city of Cleveland, but that is where I chose to live. So, today, we are going to be talking about a true crime that I found particularly fascinating, and I will preface this with... um, I know my favorite murder did it once. They they already covered this crime. And I mean, okay, so I thought they did a really good job. But because it is kind of like a hometown, kind of like a hometown murder for me. And I use that word loosely because it is, this place is about two hours away from Cleveland. So it's really not like a hometown. I may have driven through this place once. I think there's a college there. But I felt like there has to be more information out there, um, and, and and I think, in fact, there was, from when My Favorite Murder did the episode to when I researched mine, there was a little bit more information out there as to why things were the way they were. So, with that being said, um, I'm going to be covering a pretty cool true crime today. 
uh, one that's extra fascinating and extra kind of all over the place and extra weird, which are my favorite of all true crimes. Um, but really quick, now that I'm thinking about it, update on merch. Milk T-Shirt Company has sent me a draft and I just am absolutely blown away. It's not even anything we voted on. It's not even anything anybody, you know, I just, she is so fucking talented and I share her stuff all the time. I have like three of her shirts. Um, she's amazing. If I will link her, um, Instagram down below, she has an Etsy page. She's super wonderful. She's got the coolest true crime gear. 10 out of 10. Love her. But we have finally more or less solidified the design for the Cabernet and True Crime merch. And you guys, I'm so excited for it. The second she sent it to me, I was like screaming because it is so beautiful and it's going to be so cool. I'm really excited for it. Um, so with that being said, Cabernet and True Crime merch coming soon? Question mark. Um, I know she's been really busy with orders, and we're both kind of in the same wavelength of emotion of just like things are a little overwhelming. Um, especially she had a shirt that went viral, um, which if you've ever seen the probably thinking about food or serial killer shirt, she's the one who made that, and people just rip off her design. So ten out of ten, go support the real artist because she is incredible and really nice and really wonderful. So if you ever needed a true crime sweatshirt you know, before I make my true crime option, of course. But if you ever need anything like that, she's your go-to place. You're supporting a small business and she's a wonderful person. So just had to get that out there. Um, I will keep you guys updated on merch if you want it, you know, it'll probably work. So find a little rant about it and then I'll move on. Um, it'll probably work like a pre-order system just because I don't necessarily have the money to front all these shirts and I also don't like I live in a two-bedroom apartment it's quite small and I already between my boyfriend and I we already have enough shit we don't need anything else in this apartment <laughs> let alone stacks of t-shirts so it'll probably work on a pre-order system and then um milk t-shirt company will 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 figure out a way to do that but I think I'm going to do a pre-order and then we can go from there. So I'm going to get the design out and then we're going to do color options and figure out what people want. And then we can do all of that. I don't, yeah, well, there's still details to be hammered out, but they're, they're coming. I have been working on t-shirts. Yes. Okay. So sorry about that. That was a weird, I just thought about it. Weird sidebar. We can move on to what we're, what we're all here for, which is murders. So I could feel bad that my intro was a little bit long, but I don't, because <laughs> this true crime is going to be a little shorter. Um, this is one of the ones where I read you um, the blog post I already written, and I'm sorry in advance that I'm like hard swallowing. I'm trying not to audibly burp into, <laughs> into the, my phone. I am drinking um, a local brewery's Christmas beer because I did find a weird random Indian convenient mart had like 14 cases of my favorite, well, my favorite for this season's Christmas beer. And, uh, I'm not ready to let the holiday season go yet. So I found them and I bought them and they're delightful, but very rich and they're so good, but I'm sorry in advance. I'm trying not to burp on you. That made that weird, right? Yeah. Kind of weird. It's fine. Um, okay. 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 We're, we're doing it. We're going to it. We're going to do it. All right. So, um, I was really pleased with myself for the way I opened this, which is when police arrive, arrive at a suspected crime scene, 
there's always the chance they'll get a little more than they bargained for. This is the story of a guy who took tree-hugging just a little too far. If you get the chance, which I know this is a podcast and not like a YouTube video, I cannot project um, pictures to you, obviously, and if they ever made that technology, that'd be pretty sweet. If you came here from Instagram, which you may have, and if you did not, you should check out my Instagram, at Cabernet and True Crime. Um, this, the link to this, or the, I don't know what to call it, like the, uh, hey, I did the episode um, post will have the pictures of the crime scene on here because I'm going to talk about it, but I don't think you, unless you've already seen them, you can't fully wrap your head around like what this is. And it is, it's wild. I've never seen it done before. I don't understand it. And I mean, it just, it's wild. So, um, if you, if you're listening and you have like, you know, Apple, whatever. I don't know. I listen on spot. No, I can't not. I do not listen on Spotify because Spotify won't let me put my stuff there. Well, no, I won't reformulate everything. Reformulate. I won't redo everything so I can go on to Spotify. So until I figure that out, I'm never going to be on Spotify. It's a personal vendetta now. Love it, leave it, hate it, whatever. Okay. So, okay. I'm going to, I, you're click over to my Instagram, right meow and look at these crime scene photos as I'm telling you this story. Because I'm telling you, well, if you're driving or operating any type of machinery and need to keep your eyes on the road, please do that because people's safety is more important than you seeing these pictures. But this is also a very high priority. I want you to see these crime scene photos. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. On Thursday, November 11th, 2010, Tina Herman of Mount Vernon, Ohio, was reported missing by her boyfriend, Greg Borders. She hadn't shown up for her shift at the local Dairy Queen, and her co-workers, noting her absence as suspicious, went to her home to look for her. When they arrived, they saw a good amount of blood. Um, Tina's friend and roommate at the time, Stephanie Springs' car in the driveway, but no one was home, including Tina's two children, Cody and Sarah Maynard, who were 11 and 13, respectively. So like I said, Mount Vernon is about two miles, like an hour and a half south. It's between, like three quarters of the way between Cleveland and Columbus, if you know anything about the state of Ohio. When police arrived, they noted it was obvious from the amount of blood that that the four did not leave the home on their own accord. That night, Tina's vehicle was found at Kenyon College, which is roughly seven miles away from the Herman's home. Her Jeep had been missing since Wednesday, according to um, the boyfriend, Greg Borders. Um, The school was closed overnight on a lockdown due to the finding. However, nothing came from this part of the investigation and anyone involving the school um, were promptly cleared. So they they did this whole search of the campus because they found the car there. So they were obviously looking to see if there was any evidence, any, you know, the suspicion, like what was going on. It ended up at this college. So why did the car end up there? But they were able to clear everybody at the school with being involved with this crime, the car was obviously just dumped there. So, weirdly, though, so they cleared everybody at their college, it's fine. Um, but when they found the Jeep, there was this weird man who was kind of just hanging out in the parking lot, very close to the Jeep. And his name was Matthew Hoffman. He said he was waiting for his girlfriend at the time. You know, police bought his story, because it was a college campus, they found this Jeep, like, the odds of him being involved with anything, you know, are kind of slim. He might just be, you know, some Joe Schmo at the wrong place at the wrong time. 
you know, it is, like, shit happened. So they, they were like, okay, he's fine. Um, until they started looking at him a little bit further. Um, so police spent days searching the woods and the small ponds near the Herman home, which if you know anything about rural Ohio, (laughs) sorry, I don't know what just happened to my throat there. Um, if you know anything about rural Ohio, like my parents are from rural Ohio, massive distance between houses, lots of wooded areas. Like my parents have two ponds on their property alone and then 32 acres of woods. So like the state of Ohio goes from zero to nothing really quick. Like once you get out of the outskirts of Cleveland, there's, it's farmland, you know, it's, there's acres and acres and acres of land that people can buy. Like it's country. So Ohio, and I can understand this, although I don't think I've ever been to Mount Vernon, Ohio. I can't be sure. (laughs) I can't be sure. But like, Ohio is a state that goes from zero to 100 really quick. When you're in a city, it's a city. And the second you step out of that city, it's country. I don't know if that's like that other places. I just know that's what it's like here. And I've lived in enough rural areas because basically if you don't live in downtown Cleveland, you live in the suburbs or the country. Like there's, it's, and the, the changes are dramatic from place to place. I can drive, mm, 10 to 15 miles west down the road from where I currently live and be in the country. And I can see downtown Cleveland when I'm driving on the main road by my apartment. Like, the key tower, I can see that from my apartment. <laughs> but I'm 15 minutes away from the country. So that, like, puts a perspective to you. Um, so they spent um, days searching the woods and small ponds near the Herman home, um, including sending divers into the Apple Valley Lake, which used to be a gravel quarry very close to where Tina lived. Um, boats and helicopters aided in the search, turning up nothing, save for an old car in the lake that had been clearly there too long to be relevant to this case. But I mean, it's not the first time, especially in Ohio, that they found a car in a lake that was related to a murder. That's actually a different story, but I do recall there being the case where they found, a, like, a satellite image, like Google Earth or something, found a weird shadow in a lake and it ended up being a car that was related to a murder? Or am I just imagining that? I thought that was a real thing. I'm gonna fact check that and come back with you next time. Um, so... Because they were turning up nothing, and they really didn't have any other leads, and they were really just grasping at straws, they decided to look into this weird Matthew Hoffman guy, because he was at the, he was by the car, and I think normally if they had something else turn up, they would have dropped him, but because he was there and he was so rememberable, and they didn't have any other leads to go on, I mean, why not? You know, he was there, he was by the Jeep, he seemed obviously suspicious enough, so let's look into him. So, Matthew Hoffman was a 30-year-old man who had recently returned to Mount Vernon, Ohio, after being imprisoned in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. He spent eight years incarcerated after being convicted of theft, burglary, and first-degree arson after he set a condo complex ablaze to cover his crimes. Which seems a little extreme, like you just robbed the place, so burn it down. I feel like you would have gotten in less trouble if you just got caught stealing as opposed to burning down a a condo complex, but I guess that's just me. I guess if you're gonna do it, fucking do it, right? I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me, but if you're crazy, I mean, why not? Which, I mean, him burning down a condo to cover 
stealing is not the weirdest thing this guy does. There's clearly something wrong with him. He's mentally unhinged. That's going to become very obvious very soon. Um, so he returned to, um, Mount Vernon, Ohio to live with his girlfriend and her eight-year-old son, but on October 24th, she left him, um, oddly enough as well, Oh, sorry. Um, at this point, Hoffman was unemployed um, and on the verge of having his car repossessed, and his parents lived, uh, well, his mom and stepfather lived less than a mile away from where the Hermans lived. And, uh, you know, plus his previous uh, activity, you know, the whole stealing and burning down a condo thing kind of led police to believe, huh, you got this guy who's already done some pretty serious crimes and he's in a state where he is being pushed to an edge of something and now all of a sudden this family has been murdered and he was found by the Jeep. So maybe, maybe he might be involved, you know? Um, so around 8 a.m. on November 14th, a SWAT um, a police SWAT team arrived at Hoffman's home. They threw a flash grenade into the living room to stun him and then went inside the premises. What they found amazed him. Just amazed them. So there were leaves. Just leaves everywhere. Um, the entire living room floor was three feet deep with leaves which, I mean, could you imagine walking into somebody's house and having it be three foot, three feet deep with leaves in, in the house, inside the home? Um, so police were originally alarmed, understandably, because, like, what could the leaves be hiding? Why are they there? Um, the bodies, uh, weapons, and, like, after Hoffman was secured, they investigated, and you know what the leaves were hiding? Nothing. There was nothing underneath those leaves. Hoffman just really liked leaves, which is wild. I, like, you know, okay, I could almost get it if, like, you had a whole bunch of stuff in your living room to hide. So you're like, leaves. Leaves are gonna do it. Leaves are gonna hide my weapons and my things and, like, my bad stuff. But for no reason? Just have your house filled with leaves for no reason? That seems a little, right? That's weird. Or am I just, am I just judgmental? I'm a little judgmental, but, like, that just seems, like, out of my realm. Like, that seems like I should be able to judge. Um, as police moved through the rest of the house, if you're ready, things got weirder. Um, the entire bathroom was lined with grocery bags filled with leaves, which were secured to the wall. And there were over 100 bags filled with leaves stapled or something, I'm assuming stapled, because I don't think tape would have held these, stapled to the walls of the bathroom, like some type of insulation. And like I said, now's the time. Go look at the pictures, because they are there. What? I'm sorry, but what? <laughs> like, if, if filling up your living room with leaves wasn't weird enough, three feet deep, remind you, not just a couple leaves blown in by the wind, three feet deep with leaves. He had bags, grocery bags, filled with leaves stapled to the walls of his bathroom. That's like, that takes time and effort. And when you see them, it is so weird. They're lined up perfectly. They are in straight lines, taken very, like, that's not some, like, person on the verge of, like, it's not somebody who's obviously mentally unstable, is what I'm gonna say. Like, that, I'm trying to paint you a picture. It's like, it's somebody who calculated 
this out. They went out, they got the leaves, they put them in the bags. They're all filled up very evenly. They are all stapled to the wall in straight, perfect lines. Why? What drives a per- like that's the part that I find this so fascinating. What drives a person to do that? Like what I don't I listen, I have a lot of free time. No, I don't. If I had a lot of free time, I don't think I'd spend it doing that. Right? <laughs> like realistically, I don't think I'd spend my free time stapling leaves to walls. But who am I? No, I'm judging. I'm back to that. No, I'm judging because I think that's weird. And if you like if you ha- if you have bags of leaves stapled to your wall and there's like a good reason for it, message me. Tell me why. Because I'm into this. I want to know. And I don't want to hear... If it's like a survival thing, like you don't have any actual insulation in your home and you're doing it for insulation for like a real purpose, then like that doesn't count. Because this house was like a modern... Well, not like modern, but like it wasn't built like the 1600s. It was like a, a normal house, which I'm sure had insulation. The house was in good shape and you, there's no need to, he, like, insulate that for heat. Now, unless he was insulating it for sound, maybe I could understand that. But other than that, it's weird. So, um, when police... Oh, sorry. In the kitchen, the only food Hoffman had to live off of was a handful of red popsicles and two dead squirrels in the freezer. So if you were going to make a case that he's calculated and, like, well thought, I mean, he had two dead squirrels in his freezer that he was planning on eating. I wonder if they were going to taste good. Um, so when police got to the basement, they found 13-year-old Sarah Maynard with her hands and feet bound on a bed made out of leaves. She was found wearing a plastic bag with her holes cut out of the legs like a makeshift diaper. Makeshift diaper. Upon her rescue, Sarah told police that she was late for school and asked if police could take her there. Um, and most likely due to shock. She was definitely shocked. Um, she didn't know the fate of the rest of her family, but told investigators that she feared Hoffman had killed her dog. Um, Maynard said that Hoffman had promised she would be released before Christmas. So with Sarah safe and unharmed and Hoffman in custody, it was time for police to scour the area looking for clues and talking to neighbors. They eventually learned as if it wasn't already inherent, inherently very obvious that Matthew Hoffman was a pretty interesting individual. So neighbors described him as bizarre and weird, saying that he routinely climbed the trees in the neighborhood to spy on them from his perch. Other neighbors informed police that when Hoffman was out and about, her children were kept indoors. One other neighbor, um, Jeanette Columber, said he couldn't have possibly gotten that many leaves from that tree, which was the one in his yard, Um, So he'd had to haul the leaves from somewhere else. I never saw him raking. So his neighbors weirded out that there were that many leaves in his house because he must have only had like one or two trees in his yard. So he had to have gotten those leaves from somewhere else. So he obviously didn't get them from his own yard. Um, Several other neighbors commented on the, quote, squirrel thing. He said um, he had told them that they weren't meant to be used as nourishment. Um, Oh, they... Yeah, they were meant to be used as nourishment. Sorry. He had told his neighbors that he was killing the squirrels to eat them. Um, He was killing the squirrels because he doesn't grocery shop. He would actually kill the squirrels and eat them, which is a quote from his neighbor. He also liked to trap animals in his yard and set small fires on his lawn, regardless of time of year. Um, So, stable. That's all I have to say. Totally stable. Totally, totally, you know. Hoffman wasn't in custody for very long before he confessed to the murders of Tina Herman, her son Cody Maynard, and the family friend Stephanie Sprang, which happened on Wednesday, November 10th. Hoffman had had a bad dream, 
and that's what prompted him to confess. He told investigators that he dreamt about being at a food processing plant, (laughs) and in the dream, he opened a trash bag and saw cut-up body parts, and he got a knot in his stomach, and it all came back to him. So the motive for the crime, by Matthew Hoffman's own account, was robbery, but this has been argued for some time. Some agree with it, but others feel as though this was a sick act of violence with no motive other than to hurt innocent people. Hoffman, in his written confession, says that he chose the Herman household because it was in a secluded area and the garage door was always left slightly open. He slept outside in the trees the night before the crimes, waiting for Tina to leave so he could enter the home, and around 9 a.m. that Wednesday, Hoffman had his chance. He snuck into the home after Tina and her roommate Stephanie left, remaining in the home for about an hour. Um, quote, excited about being in someone else's home. Around 10.30 a.m., the woman, the women returned unexpectedly and surprised him. He had brought a, um, a, a blackjack, which I had to look up what that was. It's a small, e- easily concealable club or um, improvised weapon consisting of a heavy object stuff in a sock. I'm assuming it's the club. I don't know. He brought something and he hit, uh, he clubbed Tina over the head with a blunt object. Um, so she didn't die right away as much people, most people don't when they're just hit in the head pretty hard. Um, so he stabbed her in the chest and back and he also stabbed Stephanie Sprang. Um, after he quote, processed the bodies which I didn't look into what that meant, and I, you can assume. He pulled Tina's Jeep into the garage to load the bags of body parts into the vehicle and dispose of them. Cody and Sarah Maynard came home and interrupted him during this act. He killed Cody, stabbing him, and Sarah bolted into a nearby room. After finding her, Hoffman said that he just simply couldn't hurt the girl and took her with him instead. He took Sarah and her family's body parts to his home. He admitted to sexually assaulting Sarah during her five-day stay in his basement, but said he had made her burgers for dinner and gave her the book Treasure Island to read and also watched both Iron Man movies with her. (laughs) Okay. She's living in a trash bag, like, filled with leaves, so, like, good thing you think you're doing such a good... You just murdered her family, and that's, like... I. But we watched both Iron Mans on Blu-ray, you know, like, gave her a good time. No, you sick fuck. Like, that's... No. Um, I don't know. In Hoffman's mind, he thought she was having a good time even stating that, and this is a quote, direct quote from Matt Hoffman. She liked the bed and said it was very comfy and she wanted to sleep on it. That's, no, I can assure you that's not true. After the confession, police had a difficult time getting Hoffman to tell them where the bodies were hidden. Hoffman was an investigator Oh, Hoffman asked an investigator if he could write up the location of the bodies on a piece of paper and then have the police shoot and kill him when he planned a fake escape attempt. Uh, Investigators obviously wouldn't agree. And then Hoffman refused to speak to the police for two days. Uh, Eventually, on November 18th, in exchange for the death penalty to be taken off the table, Hoffman led police to Cocosing Wildlife Area near Fredericktown, Ohio. He took them to a 60-foot hollow tree, which he had used a rig and pulley system to get on top of the tree and drop the bodies inside. Um, in the tree were the three mutilated bodies and uh, the remains of the family dog, which Hoffman said wouldn't stop barking. Ultimately, Matthew Hoffman pled guilty to 10 felonies, including aggravated murder and rape. He was sentenced to life in prison without parole on June 6, um, 2011. 
Um, so psychiatrists have noted that Hoffman, an unemployed tree trimmer, had a very specific delusion to trees, what the trees produced, being in and around trees, and ultimately putting people in trees. It's an obvious sign of mental illness, which makes the case differ from others, where the murder doesn't come from a desire to kill, but a desire of leaves and plants. Um, it was decided that the leaves in his home had nothing to do with the murders, but they could have been possibly used as an accelerant to speed up a fire if need be. So basically, had they not gotten him unawares, like he may have been prepared to set the house ablaze and get out before the police could arrest him. Or maybe he was a suicide attempt and he would just you know, light, the, light the whole place up with himself inside in the event that he was going to be captured. We already know fire was kind of his jam with the condo incident, so maybe he saw that as being his out this time but he was caught off guard and he didn't get to do that which is good because then now there is closure to this case it's not good closure but there is closure to the case they were able to save the life of the um, young girl and honestly that's better than nothing and now he's gonna go he's gonna be in prison for a very long time for the rest of his life you know and so that's a win. Uh, I'm happy. I, you know, I'm obviously sad for the family, but I'm happy that he got caught before he could do anything else. Um, so the house with all of its leaves inside went into foreclosure on January 28th, 2011. And I did not see any updates on whether or not it had been purchased or, you know, sold, bought any of it. I just know that the house went into foreclosure. I don't know if anybody would buy it based on that history. I certainly would not. And with that, my sweet friends, sorry to come to an end, but I am I'm very tired and I need to go to bed. <laughs> so I hope you have a good, I hope you have the best Tuesday ever. I hope you enjoyed this episode of True Crime Tuesday, Cabernet and True Crime, the podcast, question mark. And I'll see you all. I'll see you all soon. I'm not making any promises on the uh, Serial Killer Sunday. I'm just going to say I'll see you soon. <laughs> Bye.